0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
1: Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. I'm Kevin Farrell, here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. The Museum of Natural Science is one of the best opportunities that families and young budding nature enthusiasts have to interact with nature in our state. This weekend, the museum is having one of their most popular events. It's called Nature Fest. With many aspects of nature on hand to explore, from native plants to live reptile programs, it's a great opportunity to learn and explore. So we have Nicole Smith, events coordinator at the museum here to talk about Nature Fest and other things that the museum has to offer. Also, Dr. Majors here ready for your pet questions, and we always like to hear your wildlife observations as well so give us a phone call the number is 1-877-MPB-RING it's 1-877-672-7464 or you can email the show it's animals at mpbonline.org and we always like to remind you that if you miss creature comforts on thursday morning it repeats saturday mornings at six so good morning hope that everyone is doing well this morning
2: doing great good morning hello
1: we're going to talk about Nature Fest throughout the hour, but first a couple of things uh, to talk about pet-related. First of all, our producer Java Chapman found this in the news. The sales of fresh pet food are soaring. U.S. pet owners are increasingly feeding fresh food to their dogs and cats. Some order pre-portioned meals of beaten vegetables or frozen raw meat online. Others find them in refrigerators at big retailers like Walmart. Proponents say fresh food preserves nat- uh, nutrients better than canned or dried ones, mimic ancestral diets, and improve pets health but some veterinarians question the trend they say established pet food companies like royal canine are backed by decades of research while the verdict is still out on fresh food so dr major any any thoughts on on this pe- pet food debate
3: yeah i think to a certain extent the uh verdict is still out one of the problems that i have is uh feeding anything that's raw food raw meat for example. Uh, you stand a chance of having some issues just like if uh, we were eating raw food raw meat uh, everything from salmonella to uh, other organisms however there is some evidence of course that it may some pets may do well on that food uh everything gets oversold uh the uh the no-grain food has been vastly oversold, uh, and it's overpriced, too. Uh, so you get into this sort of thing like, do I do this? Do I go look at all the blogs and look at all the things? And, of course, you know, these big companies, all of them have their blog masters who uh, – I, I look at that with a, a skewed eye, I guess, a lot of times. But whatever is is, you're feeding your dog, and if it's doing well – I'd stick with it. Uh, that's probably the, the proof right there that they're
1: doing good. Yeah, I would think the same thing. If, you're, if your dog, eats the, a dog or cat eats the food that you give them and they seem to be in good health, uh, then I, I wouldn't see any reason uh, for, for changing.
3: And there's some dogs that truly have food allergies. They aren't as numerous as uh, some of the food companies would like for you to believe, but there are definitely some dogs that do have food allergy and cats as well. That's where you need to consult with your veterinarian and uh, see what type of uh, program can be initiated to help solve those. Uh, Usually food trials are the best way, and when you say food trial, maybe you try a new food, but you need to try it for probably four to six weeks before you say it's not working.
1: Uh, and you know the way my cat acts every morning, probably about an hour before I get up, where mm-hmm. he starts getting hungry. Uh, he he certainly at least uh, appreciates the food that I give him, uh, because he can be I don't I don't think pest is the correct word, but he that's, that's a good word. <laughs> a good word. <laughs> he Sorry. gets up and gets ready to eat, and it's always about an hour or so before right. I I want to get up for work, right. and then uh, he has no concept of a weekend where we sleep in. We uh-huh. call that the
4: kitty alarm clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> And uh, he's, uh, as I think I might have mentioned on the air, he's big on knocking things off counters and shelves and that sort of thing. So on my nightside stand, I have glasses, cases, wallets, keys, things like that, and Every morning I hear clunk, and I know that he's up and, and looking for food. So, does he uh, call
2: those toys? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
3: I will say
1: though, for the most part, uh, I I win. I mean, he can be persistent and that sort of thing, but uh, eventually, I'll I'll get up when I want to get up. But he uh, is ready to go the minute I get up, and we make the mad dash down to the food bowl.
4: Take that, kitty! I'm the boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we hear we
1: heard a little attitude in there. <laughs> All right. uh right. We're going to be talking about Nature Fest today, and we're taking pet questions as well. We've got a couple of pet question emails to go through. Uh, but uh, if you want to get online early to ask your question or share your comment, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. 672 7464 You can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. And we do, as I said, have a couple of emails. This first one says, my lab has laryngeal paralysis. Are there any options to ease her breathing? Uh, she pants with the least exertion, wheezy, labored breathing, but her eyes are bright and she doesn't seem to be in distress. Distress is more to us than her. Only treatment so far has been to reduce activity. She is a black lab, 13 years old, about 80 pounds, some arthritis. She's had blood work, x-rays, examinations, etc. Any thoughts, Dr. Major?
3: I guess the, the other question would be what medications have they tried Uh, from the standpoint of trying to help this. If the diagnosis truly is laryngeal paralysis, uh, there may be some things that can be done. I'm sure they've talked to their veterinarian. Restricting activity is one of the more important things. She doesn't need to be out. uh, I don't know if she chases, uh, you know, when you throw things, whether it's a ball or whatever. Uh, Really need to be careful with that. And there is a surgery that can be done. It depends on how severe it is and where, you know, where where the actual um, problem is in the larynx. I, I would say that that would probably require a specialist to do that. Uh, so, I would consult with a referral center. This sort of thing, just to be sure that you've done all you can. All
1: right. I like this one. It's from uh, Liz and Past Christian, who says, I have an over excitable 12 pound two year old terrier mix and I would love to get a kitten or cat. However, Toby loves chasing, barking, and jumping on anything with a heartbeat. I'm concerned Ooh, cool, that he'd cool. frighten a kitten. My goal is to obtain a shelter cat. And here's my favorite line a friend told me that orange tabbies, like the one I have, are somewhat feisty and could hold their own with a mischievous pup. What are your thoughts? <laughs> Yeah, it depends on the cat.
3: Uh, There can be a black cat that's just as feisty or feistier. I would be concerned uh, with a puppy. A puppy wants to, as you say, chase and have its face right in in everything. I would suggest definitely to use some soft paws on those claws on the cat, uh, simply because you don't want the puppy to lose an eye, which can happen. Uh, Usually there's an adjustment period. And the good thing about the cat, the cat can get out of the puppy's way in a lot of cases up, up on a table or a bed or something to avoid the puppy. But I would say a shelter cat, a grown cat, probably would be better than a kitten.
1: I think this would be disaster if you've got that exuberant a puppy. And, uh, you know, maybe it is just an odd coincidence, but the two orange tabby cats I have have, have fit the bill, uh, quite feisty and active. Uh, right, right.
3: You know, and I did not know if everybody heard me say soft paws. Those mm-hmm. are the little uh, tips. paws that you can actually put on the claw tips, which will help uh, with this puppy. We I mean, just don't want to have to go in with a, a huge ulcer on the eye or a scratch on the eye and possibly lose the eye. Uh, veterinarians, if you had to vote uh, veterinarians as far as which cats have the worst temper, that's a good question. Uh, in In my experience over the years... We don't see many Siamese cats, but I've seen some pretty aggressive, pretty uh uh what shall I say, ill tempered, especially if things don't go their way, Siamese. They're beautiful cats and excellent pets, but if they get uh some of them get uh, in a cross uh, frame of mind, you might be in trouble. <laughs> the other thing that uh Vets would say would be that the calico cat. We see a Oh some, I love some,
4: my calico cat. <laughs> we see some calico
3: calico cats though that have so a bad temper. So I think it's more an individual cat, and other people may have a different opinion of that. But
1: uh, any any cat can have a pretty aggressive temper if if not handled right. And you know, I just realized the two orange tabby cats I've had have been male, compared to the other tabby cat I had who was female. So maybe that plays into it a little bit as well. Uh, we've got a caller on the line, and it is our friend Kathleen from Osaka. Good morning, Kathleen. You're on the air with us.
5: Oh, I'm, I'm up. <laughs> the cats got me up the first sign of thunder. Everybody hid. <laughs> he, he just came out from under the bed. And Let me tell you, he's a 24 pounds now, and he's <laughs> not right. fat. He gets along with the other kitties, and it doesn't matter what color they are, what size they are, you never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolate. <laughs> uh, in this area, uh, somewhere around here, they had a four-way, and around 08, they were dumping all their pets. Because of the financial thing going on. At least that's what we were told. There were, I mean, every day, four cats, dogs, and all this. It settled down a bit, but, uh, but try to get people to realize they've got to try to stay in new to their pets and and take care of them. Because once they get out, it doesn't matter if they're big or little. BB, when I adopted him, was a mess. Kevin could have testified that one day on the radio, Kevin. Remember when he let out this? scream kind of embarrassed us all and uh but he made it he's doing fine but i wanted to talk uh, about the the pets and the food and stuff like that now there is a book for pets called feed me or else i don't know the author or how to look it up y'all are better at that than me it was written by uh, (laughs) a (laughs) cat i believe it they have a way of talking to you (laughs) but what if Really we going to do? There are other four-footed uh, children, you know. But uh, the, the cat food and the, and the feed I've been in question about for a long time. And with eight cats, you can't hardly buy the $23, $33 a bag, you know. I'd be living in the yard. <laughs> but um, I do supplement their diet as best I can, like shredded carrots and little things. But, you know, Trying to get a cat to eat something they don't like is, is virtually impossible.
1: What was the name of that book again, Kathleen? Feed Me or, Feed me or Else. Feed Me or Else. All right. I
5: think that's what it was. I mean, I hate to say, they say you're having a blonde moment, I'm having a gray moment. It goes back 15 years. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's what the name is. Anyway, it, it's a good place to start, but mainly just don't give them a lot of table scraps. It just encourages them to get into the trash can and make a mess, and then you want to fuss at the world, and then they look at you so innocently, like I didn't do it, he did. <laughs>
1: All right, Kathleen, uh, thanks for the call. The, we did. I did find the book on Amazon. It is called Feed Me or Else by Mary Ann Wallison, and it says it's a guide for pet owners, has information on the nutritional needs of cats, tasty recipes for cats, and other related facts and information to benefit owners in the care of their pet cat. So uh, if you're looking for a fun read, maybe check out Feed Me or Else. We need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll begin our discussion with our guest, Nicole Smith. We're talking about Nature Fest. It's one of the more popular events each year at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and it's coming up this weekend. If you want to join our conversation, the number is one mpb ring Our phone number is one 672 7464 You can email the show animals at mpbonline.org. We'll be back with more after this. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major and Libby Hartfield. And our guest today is Nicole Smith from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. To join our conversation with your phone call, the number is 1-877-MPB-RING. It's one 1-877- 877 Six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show, send it to animals at mpb One more thing before we jump into Nature Fest. Becky from Fulton left a message saying that she saw a turkey flying and wondered about the turkey. Are they hatching at this time of year? Sort of what's going on in the life cycle of a wild turkey? And this re- just reminds me I don't know if I guess I'm dating myself here, but that old show WKRP in Cincinnati. And, <laughs> I think it was, I forget who that was, turkeys. they they, (laughs) they were throwing the the frozen turkeys turkeys out of the, and the quote is, you know, I thought turkeys could fly, but wild turkeys can can fly. I think it's, (laughs) with God as my witness, I thought turkeys could fly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah,
2: yeah, that that wasn't, everybody remembers that in our age group, sort of our age group, yeah. Uh, Yeah, wild turkeys definitely fly, and we were just saying at break that um, we need to plan a wild turkey Show so we'll talk more about them. But right now is um, turkey season's going on. Right, it's the so hunting season. And it, turkey, are busy hiding yeah. and doing their thing, and the males are strutting. And and,
4: and according to the Wild Turkey busy. Federation, I'm looking at their mm-hmm. website. Egg laying is mainly in March and April, with peak, peak hatching occurring in early May. Mm-hmm. So just put that little nugget in your head and remember that. That's a good yes, one. So, yeah.
1: Uh, if you'd like to join our conversation, give us a phone call at one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. 672 You can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org. So visiting with us today is events coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, Nicole Smith. Nicole, always good to have you on the show.
4: Thanks for having me back. All
1: right, so Nature Fest is coming up this Saturday, am I correct?
4: The 19th annual wow. Nature Fest, believe it or not.
1: <laughs> um, any institutional memory of sort of how it got started and, and grown through the 19 years?
4: You know, I have somebody here with me. Who could answer that even better than
1: I could? Let me, let me oh, yeah. on the spot. Well,
2: It started out as our opening. We opened on March the 2nd, the year 2000. Mm-hmm. And so the next year, Martha Cooper got the great idea, of course, that we were going to have to have a big annual deal and we had a big birthday cake and the whole thing. But it was still awfully cold that first weekend of March. So the next year, we changed it to May, and it's been really successful it was successful that first year cuz we were still having you know we were kind of the only show in town for a while in Jackson there and um before the children's museum before the new mm-hmm. art museum before the history museums and uh, we had big, big crowds. So it's kind of become our open for house. the first 18 months or so, yeah. Yeah, it's
4: kind of become our open house so that people see us not just as a public education institution, but to really familiarize guests with the research aspect of us, because there are behind-the-scenes tours, you know, in, in our research labs and in our aquariums. But it's also, we kind of think of it as our relocation birthday Uh, And so we treat it as such. We throw a party. That's what Nature Fest is. It's a festival. It's a nature outing. It's definitely something for everybody. And if you like nature, this is definitely the event for you. So yes, you will have up close animal encounters. And we should definitely talk about that since we're on creature comforts. Uh, Terry Vandavender is going to be there, the Snake Man of Mississippi, okay. and he's bringing several native species so that people can learn what to do when they meet venomous and non-venomous snakes, and how to treat them with respect, and how you know know how to behave when you encounter them in the wild. Uh, we've also, and we're really excited about this. Uh, Freedom Ranch is going to be there. They are a great wildlife outreach education group. Uh, the sisters, Christy and Mindy Hamilton, started this. They are former employees of the Hattiesburg Zoo, and they started their own outreach program. And it's great. Um, so they are bringing what I call the, the micro animals. I mean, they're still macro, but they're, but they're smaller animals than, you, than we usually have that are exotics. And those programs are going to have at least three of them in the theater. So they're going to project those onto the big screen while the program's happening. So you can see a Patagonian cavi up close. And this is such a cool animal. Like, it looks kind of like what would happen if a kangaroo and a rabbit had a baby. <laughs> it's just an unusual-looking uh, animal from Patagonia. They're native to Argentina. Really interesting. Uh, she's also bringing something called a tenrec. And to look at it casually... You might think it's a hedgehog, but it's not actually related to hedgehogs. Mm-hmm. And so they've got a little interesting history there. So she's got a bunch of different animals. These are just a few we're talking about, and that's going to be part of the program. So people will see them up close, and they will be projected on that screen.
3: Incidentally, we've already seen a couple of snake bites this year. Uh, People or animals? Well, yes. I usually don't treat the people. <laughs> <laughs> I, trust, trust me, I've had people the, rescuing their animals. Things trust happen. me, people have asked me to. But uh, <laughs> yeah. these were on dogs, and it was the typical uh, problem: water moccasin, where mm. uh, snakes are moving around and about, and dogs it stick their nose, curious, yeah. stick their nose down, and they get a pretty good little bite right there on their nose or the muzzle. So, anyway, I just mentioned that since you mentioned the snakes didn't mean
1: to interrupt. But, oh no,
4: that's fine. So that, <laughs> All the more reason to come to Nature Fest to know how to act with your dogs <laughs> out there in the right. wild. So.
1: Exactly. And I think we've had Terry on the show uh, for a couple of times he's a great uh, yeah. uh, knowledge about snakes and I think you know, I I don't know. I I'm not as afraid of snakes as as some people are because I think I've learned a little bit more about them and Mm -hmm. the whole idea of if you respect them they respect you and a lot of they do a lot of good about uh, eating um, some sort of nuisance uh, rodents and that sort of thing so uh, and to me they're fascinating so and that's a great way someone that really kind of knows what it is and so it would be maybe a good way to you know, you don't have to buddy-buddy up with a snake, but maybe if you're not quite so panicky when you see one, that that might be Just helpful. Just how to
4: act when you see them, yeah. I, have, I work with some people who have profound phobias, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the for those of you studying the GRE, the word is ophidiophobia,
3: fear of snakes. <laughs>
4: uh, but uh, if you have um, a, a fear of snakes, that may partly come from experiences, that may partly come from old wives tales that you've internalized uh, and there, and we can probably help you get over that a little bit like, I actually entered into this business being quite frightened of snakes and I grew up at the base of a place called Rattlesnake Mountain <laughs> um, so it, you know, it took me a while to realize that a lot of what I knew was not actually true they were kind of old wives tales and things I needed to get over and once I learned how to behave around something wild, then my life was better and their life was better, too. So, you know, I think take that testimonial to heart that uh, if I can get over a fear, you can, too, and have a much more peaceful coexistence with your animal neighbors in the wild.
1: Um, I volunteered for uh, Nature Fest a couple of years ago, and I noticed that you have kind of a map of the museum. And so this as sort of fitting in with the kind of birthday celebration of the museum. This is activities going on inside the museum, outside the museum. Tell us a little bit about kind of the scope of the of Nature Fest.
4: Truly, yeah. So we embrace the entire campus of the, for this event. And that includes things like the bioblitz, and that's an on-site species inventory. Now a proper bioblitz is normally 24 hours long, and um, scientists will take citizens out and kind of introduce them to the scientific method of species surveying, whether that's for mammals or macroinvertebrates, birds, you know, whatever it is. And so you learn to identify some things, you learn some of the data keeping methodology that's utilized. Uh, but, but our version is a shortened version. So there's different topics at different times, and it's more of an introduction to what these larger bioblitzes are. And it's a great introduction to our trails. Because here you are with a scientist learning what's really here in your backyard and in your city. And I think that makes that extra special. You've been seeing these cool birds in your backyard, but you didn't know what they were until you got on the trail with mm-hmm. them. And I think that makes that experience more meaningful. We have playful things that are like super little kid friendly, like the fossil pile is going to be open so kids can dig and look for actual fossils. We're going to have the giant oversized earth ball out. That's just fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's like playing soccer with something like 10 times your size, but it's just so much fun. And, uh, and there's going to be lots of stuff on the lawn. There's going to be lots of stuff inside, crafts for kids, activities, things that adults will enjoy as far as our research. Um, but of note, even if it rains, it's not going to throw us off because most of this comes inside. You don't lose anything. We might have to close archery down if it rains a lot. But that's kind of it. You know, like everything else kind of can keep on going. And um, whether you've got a preschooler or your grandmother, there's something great here for you.
1: All right. So also, I'm noticing the outdoor play lawn bowling sounds fun. What's yard Z? What is that? <laughs>
4: Okay, so sometimes they let me do things, <laughs> and uh, I thought it would be really fun to play Yahtzee, but to make it big enough that you could play it on the lawn, so I have uh, die that are the size of human heads, <laughs> and uh, and big oversized playing boards so that people can actually roll the die and play the game, uh, oh, wow. which is going to be really just a little extra play value, just kind of fun. Uh, we're, and this year, this is new. Uh, MDEQ is doing a specialty workshop during the event for the third graders through fifth graders and their parents. And you can actually pre-register for those. Um, And you can go on our Facebook page and see where that link is and uh, register for it. Uh, But it's going to be offered twice, once at 11 and once at 2. And I think that's going to be really neat because it's like hands-on science for the little kids learning about water quality, but it's very engaging. And they've made it very playful. So I think they're going to come out inspired to be scientists after that experience.
1: Uh, So we've neglected so far to mention the times for it this Saturday. yeah,
4: So it runs from 10 till 4. And let's say you really, really, really wanted to see the Freedom Ranch program, but you missed the first one. That's okay. There's going to be two other offerings. Uh, You wanted to see Terry's program, but you couldn't get the first one. That's okay. He's going to do it again. So we tried to... Offer similar programs at different times because there is so much to do at this event. It gives you time to experience it all and not feel cheated. Like if one session gets full, that's all right. There's going to be another one. And, uh, and it, should, it should be a fun day. So don't let the rain throw you off. You know, April showers bring Nature Fest as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. So, you know, it's all great. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, before our next break, here is another email, a pet email, and this one says that we have a 15-year-old Maltese with constant thirst, mm. which we thought was diabetes, but the vet said Cushing's disease and prescribed vetoral, gosh, VETORL Federal. and T R I L O S T A N D Trilostane? Trilostane. Okay, which didn't help, so we doubled the dose to 15 milligrams, which isn't helping the thirst right. problem either. Any suggestions on what they might could do? How old was that dog? Uh, Fifteen. It's going to be difficult, uh, probably because of the
3: age as much as anything. I I suppose that the kidneys checked out okay. Uh, A lot of times more than one thing is going on, and certainly in a 15-year-old dog. The first two things you think about, obviously, are diabetes and kidney disease. And then probably the third thing has to do with Cushing's disease. And... They need to consider, you know, maybe uh, that this is not going to work. Uh, I know that's kind of hard to say that, but still, at this age, if they've upped the dosage, I would say that there's a good chance that it may not work. They need to consult with a vet. They can also uh, possibly go to a uh, referral to a specialist, but it may be one of those things that's not going to work, and I hate to say that, but... Uh, A lot of times at this age and the small dog, this is a tiny dog probably, and makes it very difficult to treat. So best of luck, but I would not necessarily say in a second opinion, but possibly see a specialist and possibly that might help.
1: All right. Uh, It is time for another break. When we get back, we will continue our discussion with Nicole Smith, events coordinator for the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're talking about Nature Fest coming up this Saturday. If you made a recent trip to the museum, why don't you give us a call and tell us what you liked about it? Also, Dr. Major is here ready to uh, answer your pet questions. The number to call to join our conversation is one 877 ring. It's one 877 6727464 email the show it's animals at mpbonline.org pat's on the line we'll get to that phone call and more after this so stay tuned Promise you the tip of the day. Today's Fix It One Hundred and One Tip of the Day is brought to you
3: by Atmos Energy. If you're planning a digging project, call eight one one at least two business days prior to digging to have underground utility lines located and marked. All right, Jeff, you're on the spot. Okay, let's do it. Uh, have you ever wondered how long is that? Yes. Well, where's the tape measure? Well, I don't I, carry I don't around it tape measure all the there time. There you go. Right. Pull out a dollar bill. It's a six and a quarter inches long. Really? Yeah, absolutely. How have I never known how um, long a, a dollar bill is? Six and a quarter inches. <laughs> long. And so you can
1: so. measure it by dollar. Measure by dollar.
3: <laughs> a dollar is six and a quarter inches long. Look, everybody's yeah. bringing out a dollar. Yeah, we well, he brought out a hundred. Oh, <laughs> yeah, look at, look at Dale over here. Big money grip. I need to borrow some money, Dale. So, all right. So, if you are without a tape measure at some point or a ruler, a dollar. A is dollar. Six and a quarter inches. Yes. I'll remember that forever now. Oh yeah. But I've never known it till today. Somebody
1: so. give me a dollar. We right. learned. <laughs> we learned something today on the show. Welcome back to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest today, Nicole Smith, Events Coordinator from the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. We're talking today about Nature Fest. It's upcoming this Saturday at the museum. So we've been talking about some of the events going on with that. Dr. Major's here ready to take some pet questions. Uh, and also, we're going to talk a little bit uh, throughout the hour about some of the other uh, things that you can do at the museum throughout the year. But as promised, Pat is on the line, and we'll go to her call next. Pat, uh, thanks for joining us. Go ahead, please.
0: Thank you for taking my call. Um, Beginning last summer, I began to notice um, perfectly round uh, half-dollar to silver-dollar-sized holes um, burrowed next to the base of my home. And uh, I'm noticing that those holes are increasing in terms of the numbers and uh, in terms of the size. And corresponding with that has been some creaking noise in my attic. And I'm wondering if I am becoming um, infiltrated with uh, attic rats, possibly. What do you think about that?
2: Okay, so you're finding the holes at the base of the house,
0: Yes, on one side.
2: Yeah, but they could be, and then the noise that you're having. Do you smell an odor? Have you have you gone to the attic or sent somebody to safely go up there? You got to be careful doing that. But if sometimes you Well, can
0: I have sp- I have uh, filters that I change that are in the attic, mm-hmm. uh, my heating system and my cooling system. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have filters that I change, and I do that every three months. And I've noticed that there were little burrows into the Mm -hmm. the insulation in various spots.
2: You've got something Uh, living up there, Pat. And, yeah, um, if, you know, the easiest thing for you to do is to get an exterminator. I don't know how expensive that will be. You might get some prices. Or if you can enlist somebody's help to put out some traps so that you at least see what you have. I, I would think that would be the first step next is either get professional help or put out some traps to kind of find out what it is you've got. She's got a lot of. Let me it.
0: ask you this Do you think that uh, rats might be digging those holes? They are perfectly round, they seem to be going directly into the ground, and they're getting larger in size and also in numbers.
3: Um, oh Do you have gosh, any idea
0: what would be causing
3: that? It doesn't sound like multiple holes would indicate mm-hmm, rats. rats. Uh, something else, possibly.
0: Do you have chipmunks in your yard? I, uh, I had a. Pro- I have a problem with mold. I mold. would suggest two but things. These are not mole holes. These are not mole mm-hmm. holes because they're they're being burrowed directly down into the ground. Down
2: into the ground. Right. I would suggest right. that
3: you that you get uh, a trap, a live trap, set out. Uh, somewhere along these holes, put some uh, different yeah. different types of bait in it so you'll know what you've got. Or if there's a game camera that you could borrow uh, <clears throat> to put out where you could photograph anything that's going in and out of those holes. It's a little unusual to think that it's rats, but it's possible. And you may have squirrels, though, or that type of thing in the attic unrelated to these holes on the ground.
2: That's what I was going to say. You might have two problems. I hate to say that. But I would trap in the the attic and outside and see what you're dealing with before you have... uh, The thing to be very careful with is is using poison. I would not... And some people will tell you right away to do that, but I would be very careful with that, Pat, because you don't know what you're dealing with yet, and you don't know, you know, if somebody's pets are coming close or whatever, so
0: a trap that can help you identify what you've got. Okay. Um, I kind of eliminated the possibility of squirrels because I don't have any large trees near my home. I don't know if that would be a deciding factor. What do you think?
2: If you had chipmunks or squirrels, you would probably be seeing them. I have them, and I know they've dug holes at the base of my air conditioning unit, and I try to put up with them because I like the chipmunks. But... um they uh, they can be you know they can be damaging to your house too so you've yeah. got to watch for that. But think, you would be seeing that in the yard. I don't think
3: chipmunks would go into the attic though. No, they usually Mm-mm. burrow, make tunnels. Yeah, and uh, that's possibly what she's seeing there if it's in the ground.
2: Mm-hmm. She that could be some, something I, different I, than I, what's in the attic. I'd
3: suggest, suggest if you can get some professional help, that might be your best best bet.
1: All right, uh, Pat, thanks for the phone call. But I think, too, the idea of you know, at least trying to identify what it is first. So if you do need to go the exterminator route or whatever, you can give as much information as possible uh, to help that situation out this is creature conference on MPB think radio we've got some open phone lines ready for your pet questions your uh, observations and stories about your time at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science if you have a question about their upcoming nature fest this Saturday or if you have a brush with wildlife lots of stuff you could talk to us about today at 1 1877 MPB ring it's 1877. Six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline dot org. We're visiting with the events coordinator from the museum, Nicole Smith. And Nicole, you touched a little bit on uh, the kind of the expert guided behind the scenes tours available during Nature Fest. If you could give me give maybe give us a little bit more information about what uh, what those are.
4: Okay, so um, the museum has several research scientists who's part of their the reason for being there is to how to describe this to describe the species that are here in our state and to do a very good documentation of what is truly here and to learn more about all that's there and so our labs are going to be open during the event so you can go back and see some of the work that's being done. Uh, we have a geneticist on staff who 's you know helping us kind of identify species through you know trace information and direct information and we 're learning a lot about what 's out there she 's working the event and she 's kind of helping in several different areas, which is really great we 're going to have our uh, fish specialist uh, there showcasing some of our collections. Our ornithologist will be there, so you can learn a little bit about the history of mississippi 's ornithology collection. uh, But it's very fascinating stuff. Like, these collections have a purpose. It's not just about learning what's happening now. This is like a snapshot in time. And you can see how things have changed here in our state. Um, Spotted skunks. Okay, so you might not see spotted skunks so much nowadays, but striped skunks you are seeing. And yet we have these spotted ones in the collection. And that's telling you something about how we've changed. You know, there's an importance to these collections. And I love the reaction that children have to that because some of these are things they've never seen before. (laughs) Some of them are older than their grandparents, (laughs) and yet they look so remarkably well-preserved. And so they have a real fascination for that.
1: But uh, they do their work throughout the year, but this is a rare opportunity to kind of, as you say, get behind the scenes. And also I would think... They can tailor what they're talking about to younger kids, but then if there's some maybe some teenagers, some older kids, they know how they can uh, you know adjust what they're what they're talking about. They're
4: so good about you know knowing their audience and who they're talking to, Um, and it's yeah. I do think the adults probably get a tiny bit more out of those behind the scenes things because they can have their more in depth questions answered. Uh, But I, I know that kids get a lot out of it too, and I love seeing. Uh, There was this wonderful uh, garden club group that came through last year, and they were so cute. I couldn't get them all the way down to the research hall at first because they saw the quilts that were hanging in the hall. So we had to spend a few quality moments in front of the quilts and talking about that, which I thought was great. Um, (laughs) uh, but, But there's so much to see in that area. It's just very meaningful.
1: And uh, are Birds of Prey featured this year? Not this year. Okay.
4: Uh, We will be seeing them come to the Birdsong and Bluegrass event, which is at the end of the month. Okay. Uh, That is our celebration of International Migratory Bird Day. And so, yeah, Freedom Ranch will actually come back um, twice in one month. We're kind of lucky. And they'll be doing their Birds of Prey program, which is spectacular because those are some big and impressive birds.
1: And also uh, scuba divers and fish feeding?
4: Yes, we will have a scheduled uh, scuba diver uh, feeding our fish. And that's really interesting because when they come out and do the interpretation for that, you get a better sense of what it is to take care of those aquariums. Uh, To be an aquarist, you have to be a chemist. You have to be a biologist. You have to be a teacher. You have to be a little bit of everything, really well-rounded. And we are blessed to have four people that... Work with a what is it a hundred thousand gallons of aquarium? It's just it's yeah. wow. yes. Uh, <laughs> how many gallons per person? I mean, this is really <laughs> impressive what they do, and they represent the variety of aquatic habitat through the entire state. So whether you're looking at the Sound or the Pearl River or the Blackwater streams, you're seeing something that represents your entire state, which is worth looking at.
1: Yeah, the couple trips I've taken to the museum, the the aquariums are always one of my favorite spots because, again, I I just love the way, as you mentioned, they have each of those kind of ecosystems that are unique to Mississippi, and you get to kind of get a snapshot of what's what's going on in each one.
4: And so many fishes. Like, it's fishes, turtles, uh, so much there. There's so much life there so much nature in your nature fest you know our aquarists have to go out and collect those specimens and bring them in and and keep them healthy and keep those lives going well and i think that's something to really appreciate
1: all right. Uh, we need to take one final break this hour. When we get back, we will continue talking to our guest today. It's Nicole Smith, special events coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Dr. Majors here, ready to take a pet question as well, and some open phone lines for, for time for you to work in your question. The number is one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can email the show as well. It's animals at mpbonline.org. Back to wrap up the show after this, so stay tuned.
0: MPB would like to thank Daniel, Coker, Horton, and Bell, and the Mississippi Healthcare Alliance for underwriting MPB programs. Your company can be an underwriter, too. Find out more. Go to mpbonline.org underwriting to find out how.
1: Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. Today we are visiting with our guest, Nicole Smith. She's the special events coordinator for the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science, and we have been talking about Nature Fest. It's a big celebration annually at the uh, museum. And it is this Saturday from, Nicole, the Times again? From
4: 10 till 4. Okay. So if you need to get your creature fix, we can hook you up.
1: <laughs> and, uh, and plant
4: fix, too. Don't forget, we have some plant experiences.
1: <laughs> and as you said earlier, lots of events going on, but uh, s- staged several times throughout the day. So mm-hmm. uh, whenever you get there, you should be able to uh, probably hit up most of the, the fun and uh, interesting events they've got planned throughout the uh, throughout the Nature Fest.
4: And worth noting, okay, if you're a member of the museum, this event's free for you. All Okay. If you're not a member, it's only $6 for adults, 4 for children, and if you're under $3, you are free. This is big bang for your educational buck. You're going to have so much fun, and you're going to learn things, and you, you won't even realize you're learning it until you're done. You know, it's, it's great.
1: All right, uh, we've, looks like we've got a pet question on the line, so we invite Jesse in uh, calling in from Union this morning. Go ahead, Jesse, you're on the air with us.
0: I have a,
3: I've acquired too many dogs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, as a matter of fact the mama dog is pregnant again now and and
0: I need to I need to get uh, I need to get rid
3: of some dogs and I don't know I don't know where to do that yes sir uh, I got like about seven girl dogs and um, about old oh, boy dog okay I don't know of any organization there in you're in Neshoba County is that correct
0: no I'm in North I'm Mississippi. In Mississippi okay
3: yeah. okay if you could call and I don't have the number uh, Mississippi Animal Rescue League is here in Jackson they might be able to work with you as far as uh, helping to alleviate this situation Uh I would suggest calling them or if there's a humane society in that area that you know of, but it's Mississippi Animal Rescue League, at least they could advise you and possibly take these dogs in. So I understand it's easy to get overpopulated. Spaying and neutering is always uh, a good recommendation at the same time. I understand when you get overpopulated, it is difficult both financially and otherwise. So it's called Mississippi Animal Rescue League, and talk to someone there and explain your
1: situation. All right, and Jesse, in fact, we're going to put you back on hold. Uh, we'll get that information on how you can reach Marl uh, from the folks in the control room, so we'll put you back on hold, and someone will be able to help you. So we appreciate uh, you calling in this morning. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We're visiting today with Nicole Smith, the special events coordinator at the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. So, Nicole, we've talked about the big Nature Fest upcoming uh, this Saturday, but also currently at the museum is one of your traveling exhibits. So if you would tell us a little bit about Bound.
4: Right. So Ocean Bound is an exhibit that's entirely dedicated to watersheds, and it is very interactive. So there are parts uh, there of the exhibit where you can pretend that you are the controller of a storm cloud, and you can make it rain and see how many watersheds are in that model and in that area. There is a submarine that makes you pretend that you shrunk down to, like, microscopic sizes, and you are riding the streams and going on the way to the ocean. So you can look at the aquatic life within that. And it's a yellow submarine, in case you want to have a little Beatles moment. It's a little <laughs> bit fun. Uh, and and there's a really great aquarium in there that showcases some of the problems with plastics. And it it really... You know, you see so many aquariums that are extra beautiful, just kind of made to look like they should look like in nature, but this one's set up to look like as something actually often looks like in nature, which is polluted. And I think that's a great teaching point. There's even a a little imaginative play section where the kids can kind of pretend they're in a water research station and there's like story time areas. There's so much to see in this exhibit, and it's been really popular. We've had about 16,000 kids come through since it's opened, and it's not been open that long. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're just they're getting a great educational value out of it, and it's very playful.
1: And, of course, then, if you are at Nature Fest, you can go through that exhibit as well.
4: Right. There's no extra charge to see ocean bound. It is part of the whole experience.
1: All right. Uh, here's another email. Earlier, we we're talking about uh, pet food, and this one says, "What about cat food?" Doctor Major's treating my senior cat now for diabetes and pancreatitis. Uh, pancre- pancreatitis that I didn't see coming. I only took him in for malaise and thirst, and find out he's very sick. My cat only eats dry cat food. How could I have avoided this? Is can the food dry cat food c- c- contribute to to those sorts of things? There's a great
3: debate between dry and wet cat food. Uh, I offer my cats both uh, because they're picky uh, and they don't like change either. Mm-hmm. But there are foods available, obviously. Uh, the One of the ones for diabetes, DM, diabetes, mellitus, uh, is a good food that a lot of cats can actually can be controlled without having to give insulin to them. Others have to have insulin. As far as how could you have avoided this, uh, good quality cat food should not cause them to come down with diabetes. It's one of those things that can happen, just like in people.
1: uh, And there are a lot of cats uh, that have diabetes. All right. Let's see if we can work one final question in before the end of the hour. Anita's called in from Louisiana. Anita, we're pressed for time, so if you could be brief.
0: Yes, sir. I
5: just have a quick question. I have a mixed breed schnauzer who appears to be allergic to grass, and I was talking with someone that told me that it looked like a yeast infection and to dilute some vinegar and water and wipe its legs and feet with that, and I just wondered about the doctor's thoughts. So I'm going to hang up and listen to that.
3: All right. Thanks for your call. Mm -hmm. Certainly, if that's where the uh, dog seems to have the most problem with feet, and a lot of dogs do, that solution that you just mentioned certainly could be good. Distilled water, if you could just wipe the feet off when they come back in uh, with distilled water, certainly would help remove some of the allergens. But uh, it is a difficult thing. And this time of year, we're seeing more and more uh, contact type allergies from both uh,
1: pollen and from uh, grass growing again. All right, Anita. We appreciate your call. So we have got about a minute left. Nicole, give us your one-minute recap of Nature Fest coming up this Saturday at the museum.
4: (laughs) (laughs) No pressure. Okay. So it's a festival. It's a nature outing. It's a great time to come outside. So whether it's raining or not, come on out this Saturday, April sixth, ten till four p.m. Members are free, and otherwise it's six dollars for adults and four for children. Animals, plants. behind-the-scenes, kids' stuff. There's all things to do at Nature Fest.
1: All right. And it's fun not only for kids but uh, adults as well. So lots of stuff going on. And as we've mentioned <laughs> a couple of times, uh, some of the big events going on several times throughout the day. So uh, you can, uh, if you miss something maybe that uh, happened early on, uh, it'll be occurring several times uh, throughout the 10 to 4. And so you should be able uh, to catch all of uh, the events that are connected with Nature Fest. So, uh, And again, we talked about that. You also have by Nature Fest, admission to uh, the regular things going on at the museum. We talked about the traveling exhibit, the aquarium, so it's a full day, uh, and I'm sure everybody will be very tired at the end of Nature Fest, including that you folks the that goal, are working. The it. children will sleep in the car <laughs> on the way home. Right.
4: And don't forget those workshops, the third to fifth graders sign up for that. Go to our Facebook and line up for
1: that. Okay, that's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by generous listeners like you. Today's show was produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener was Michelle McAdoo. So for Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield, and our guest Nicole Smith, I'm Kevin Farrell. Stay tuned up next at 10. It's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for other Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.